I remember the first day I walked into class and the teacher had written this problem on the board. I'll never forget the numbers. It was 386 times 416. And the teacher then said, by the end of the school year, you will be able to multiply these numbers, divide these numbers, or any other numbers that you can think of. And I thought, man, the 11th grade is going to be harder than I thought. And, uh, you know, the, the weird thing about that is actually the third grade that that happened, and I didn't really get the real hang of it until high school, but uh, just kidding. But here's the thing that happens is that, you know, you start out, right, and, and, and the questions start easy, and then they get more complex. You know, you start out with, like, simple things, like my daughter. Uh, she is almost three. She'll be three at the end of January. And um, she, the other day we were outside in the back of, of my house in our backyard and it was like dusk. The sun was starting to go down. And she says to me, uh, she says, Poppy, why can't the sun be out all the time? Why can't why does it have to be nighttime? Now, you might think like, wow, that's really awesome. She's like contemplating the universe and the implications. Now, she knows when the sun goes down, it's bedtime. That's what she's trying to figure out is how can I like stretch this out a little longer without not having to go to sleep? But, you know, as you get older, the questions get more complex, right? The questions get more complex, and then it's not, you know, questions like that. It becomes questions like, well, why didn't God heal me? It becomes questions like, why did this happen in my life? Why why did that relationship go south? Why did that job, that career path not really work out the way that I'd hoped to? Why is this happening to me? And the thing is this. And I, and I want to tell you, there's good news and bad news to this. Um, the, 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 there is some good news. I'm going to tell you that in a minute. But let me just tell you the bad news up front. The bad news is there's some stuff we are never going to know why. And that's going to frustrate you so much. It's going to, like it frustrates me. And you'd be like, man, why can't I know it? I want to know it. I need to know it. And then there's just for some reason God has decided he's just not going to tell us. There's a passage in your notes in Deuteronomy 29, 29. It says this. It says the secret things belong to the Lord. But the stuff that the things that are revealed to us are for us and for our children that we may now do all the words of this law. So that is that there are some things. Think about this. There are some things that God just says, ah, it's just a secret that I'm keeping and I'm just not going to tell you for no. And why? Well, that's a secret, too, as to why I'm not going to tell you, but I'm just not going to tell. But now let me give you the flip side of that, because there really is some good news to this. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 25, verse 2, it says it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it is the glory of kings to search a matter out. That means that while there are some things God has hidden, that is a secret, there are some things that God has also revealed. That he said, hey, it's not in plain sight, but if you dig a little bit, you'll be able to find it. One such thing is this question that as Christians we always find ourselves asking. As a pastor, the question I've been asked probably more than any other is this one. What's God's will? What's God's will for my life? What's God's will in this situation? What's God's will for my relationship? What's God's will for my career? What's God's will for my kids? What's God's will for my future? All of this, and this is a question that we ask ourselves. Now, here's what I want to tell you. That there is a very simple answer to this, and then there's an answer that's a little more complex, and we're going to explore both a little bit. The simple answer is this. It's, it's in your notes. It's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. It says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. And you say, oh, that helps, because I use the word sanctification all the time. Um, now, let me just say, the word sanctification is a Bible word um, that simply means this. It's the process of us becoming more like Jesus. 
That's what sanctification is. It's a process of the Spirit of God working in us and us becoming more like the person of Jesus. So that means no matter what comes into our lives, that's why Romans 8.28 says this, and we know that all things are working together for good. What good is that? The good of us becoming like Jesus. That's why Romans 8.29 says that we, might become, that we might be conformed into the image of His Son. So all of this is happening so we might become like Jesus. But that's like, well, okay, that helps. Like when difficulties come in and afterwards, yeah, I'm, I drew closer to God. Okay, that makes sense. But that doesn't really help me to know if I should buy that house or not. Take that job or not. Date him, date her or not. Like now, now what do I do there? Because the sanctification part seems like a macro answer, but there's some also like these, these micro answers too. Like, you know, what, what do I do there? And this is where maybe it gets a little more complex, but there's still a way to know what it is that God wants us to do. Because here's what we have to understand. God is not dangling his will like a carrot, saying, well, can you find it? No, still out of your reach. No, still out of your reach. Instead, here's what God's doing. God wants his will to be found. You see, we say, man, I want to know what God wants me to do because I want to do it. Here, listen to this. God wants you to do his will and wants you to know his will even more than you want to know it. And that's good news for us. You see, it, it, it's kind of like this. My daughter, uh, who, who I mentioned, her, um, her favorite thing, which when you're two and a half, three years old, your favorite thing in life is hide-and-go-seek. It's like the greatest game in the world when you're that age. And that's all my daughter wants to do is play hide-and-go-seek. And so um, the other day, uh, which is, I say the other day, but it's like every day, uh, we play hide-and-go-seek, and this is what she'll say to me. She'll say, okay, puppy, I'm going to hide in the bed. You come find me. And here's the thing, and this is the cool thing that she's learned. Playing hide-and-go-seek, the hiding isn't the fun part. It's the being found that's the fun part. Because when I find her and I make a big deal out of it and then I pull the covers out and there she is, that's when she's laughing and there's tickling and there's, you know, all, all that stuff that happens. But that all happens when you're found, not when you're hiding. And the same thing is true when it comes to God's will. It's not in the hidden part that there's, the excitement and, 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 and the revelation, it, what happens, it's when we find it. We say, oh, it's the aha moment. We say, now I know what God wants me to do. Listen, that's the moment. But here's what it takes to really know God's will, for God to reveal it to us. And here's what it is, and this is one of the things you need to na- take note of. It's very important. Listen, it takes a decision in advance that you're going to do what it is that God tells you to do. Because here's what happens sometimes. Sometimes we want to know what God's will is and we say, well, um, are you going to do it if God tells you? Oh, I don't know. I haven't, we haven't gotten that far. I just want God to tell me what he wants to do so I can take it under advisement. And listen, listen, this is the thing we need to understand is that God's not going to reveal his will to us, tell us exactly what he wants us to do in these matters that we're not sure about if we're not totally convinced that we're going to do it. Because listen, that God does not reveal his will for our consideration or contemplation. He reveals his will for our participation. And that's the thing that's so important. And this passage that we're going to look at in Proverbs, and if you want, you can turn to Proverbs chapter 16. That's where we're going to be. We spent some time looking at these verses. And here's the thing that's really important. The thing that's important for us is that these verses help us so much. And here's how they help us. They help us to know what it is that God's leading us to do and the process in which we can discover it. But then, but it always starts with that initial decision that says, I'm going to do what God wants me to. And then we see the revelation take place. Proverbs 16, starting in verse 1. Here's what we read. The preparations of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. 
All of the ways of man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits. Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Yes, the Lord has made all for himself. Yes, even the wicked for the day of doom. Every proud, everyone proud in heart and is abomination to the Lord, though they join, join forces, none will go unpunished. And verse 6 says, In mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity, and by the fear of the Lord one departs from evil. Verse 7, this is an important one. When a man's ways please the Lord, he even makes his enemies to be at peace with him. Better is a little with righteousness than vast revenues without justice. And then verse 9, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So if you pause there and give me your attention, there's two questions that we need to answer if we're going to know God's will. Here's the first one, according to these verses. The first is this. Am I committed to hearing God's voice? Am I committed to hearing God's voice? Because you know what happens is that when you are committed to something, have you ever found people that are like super committed to a thing and they're just like crazy about it? They'll do anything to get the thing that they're committed to. We all experienced it yesterday. Halloween, right? I mean, were you as blown away as I was at like the ridiculous costumes that people will dress in for a five cent piece of candy? I am just amazed at the, at the length. How much did you spend on that? 200 bucks. All right. Here's a Snickers. What are you going to do? I mean, it's incredible to me, like, the, the, the lengths that people will go to, um, to, to just get free candy. And by the way, while we're talking about this, do we even have to do the trick-or-treat thing anymore? It's not even an option. It's just like, we should just say, you know, hi, I'm dressed up. Can you give me some candy? That's what we should really say. Because there's no real trick. You know, if some guy dresses up as Freddy, Co- Freddy Krueger and shows up at my house uh, yesterday, it's no big deal. Now, some guy shows up like in the middle of July at two in the morning. He knocks on my door and dressed up as SpongeBob, trick or treat. And I'm like, dude, you got me. You got me. I got tricked. What do I got? Here's a pickle. I'll see you later. Uh, I mean, and that, that's that's the thing that, you, that that's when you know, like, hey, that, that you really got it. Right. And by the way, if I can just, if you know, what is I'm telling you, did you see some of the costumes that people were wearing? What is the obsession of some women to dress like prostitutes on Halloween? Can I just can we just speak frankly about this for a moment? I mean, what is the obsession? And then I'm asking, like, I'm you know, because I I, maybe I just asked too many questions, but I talked to somebody in my neighborhood. I'm like, so that's kind of what you're going with, huh? She's like, oh, I'm a witch. I'm like, well, if the witch is also a hooker. Then yes. Uh, She didn't stop at my house. I don't know why. Um, but, but I'm telling you, it's like, it, it's like the weirdest thing. And, and it's like all of this, I told my wife, and I'm, cause we had like this giant bowl of like hundreds of pieces of candy. Nieces and nephew come over, and, we, and it's like this big thing, you know, it's like all these kids, we're all gonna walk around the neighborhood. And I said to, I stopped to Carrie and I said, why don't we just give them the candy that we already have? That's what they're gonna get anyway. So let's just give them that, and then we can just, like, hang out. You know, and then she says, no, but you got to do it. you got to go see the neighbors, and then you got to knock on the door, because it kind of makes them work for it. Knocking on the door is making them work for it? Like, what is this? You know, so, and, I, and mind you, my daughter's been in training, like, all week, because she heard, I explained the whole trick-or-treat thing to me. She didn't even believe me. I'm like, Mama, you're going to be, because my daughter dresses up every day anyway. 
So it's like every day is Halloween. She's got, you know, all these princess outfits. She has a Minnie Mouse outfit. You know, she went as Tinkerbell um, yesterday. Pictures forthcoming. Um, and so she's got all, she's got all of these uh, all these outfits. So for her to like dress up is still not like a big deal. She's always dressed up as 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 someone. And and then, but I explained to her that I'm like, here's what's going to happen. Your cousins are going to come over, and then we're going to go to all the houses. You're going to knock on the door, say trick or treat, smile, and they're going to give you candy. And she's like, like she's two and a half. She's like, that doesn't sound right. Are you sure you got this thing down? I'm like, she didn't really seem convinced. And I'm like, okay. And so we've been practicing all week. I'd go into her room and close the door. And I'm like, okay, do it. Knock, knock, knock. And then I'd open the door. Yes. And she'd smile. Trick or treat. Smile. I'm like, oh. And I put my pretend candy in her pretend bag. And she was an expert by then. And then, but then she started getting all like fancy. Like, oh, thank you very much. Oh, nice to see you. You know, and I'm like, whoa, slow down. Trick or treat. Thank you. And then just keep moving. We've got a lot of houses to go to tonight. And, uh, and so, but the thing that's just amazing to me, I'm telling you, when I see people, they just go to like these extremes. As if the more extreme the costume, like, they're gonna get more candy. Uh, uh, you know what I mean? I, I don't understand this. You say like, what does this have to do with anything? I don't know. Uh, but, well, here, but here's the thing. No, I do know. And the reason I say all this to you is, is that it's just amazing to me the lengths that people will go to be committed to something. Now, think about that compared to the lengths that we'll go to to be committed to understanding God's will. Like, you know, I mean, I talk to people like, man, I just want to know what God wants me to do. Well, what are you doing about that? Nothing. Nothing. I'm just hanging out. Oh, well, you're hanging out. Well, that changes everything. And, and, and here's the thing. Like, I mean, you know, you're like reading the Bible. You're talking to some people. You come to church. Like, well, you know, this is going to happen. You know, there's no story in the Bible I mean, and I've read the Bible several times, and I'm telling you, I've tried to find it. There's none that it's like this guy's laying on his couch, and then God shows up. Here's what I want you to do. Get up off thine couch. Turn off thine ESPN. You know, and there's, no, there's no story like that, and I wish there was. There isn't. But there's this, well, here's what you have. It's in, it's in um, uh, Jeremiah 29:13. Here's what it says. You will, you, will see, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. That's the commitment that it takes. Seek God with all of your heart and guess the, here's what the promise is. You're going to find him. You want to know what God wants you to do? Seek him with all of your heart and you're going to know. So let me just give you a couple of things that are important for us to say, well, how do I, how do I, how do I get there? How do I commit myself to seeking, to hearing, to knowing what it is that God wants me to do? I'm going to give you three things. Here's the first one. Uh, real simple. Number one, by reading the Bible. By committing yourself to reading God's word. Uh, and honestly, I mean, I said it kidding around, but when someone does come up to me and say, uh, I, I really don't know what God wants me to do, usually my first question to them is, tell me about your, your daily Bible reading. And many times it's, well, I don't really, I don't really have one. And, and, and this is my first thing. Well, here's what I'd encourage you to do. Every time you open the pages of the Bible, God is speaking to you. So when we close the Bible and say, well, I'm not really going to spend any time in there, here's what we're doing. We're, we're closing ourselves from what God wants to speak to us. Because, and here's one of the things that's important to note. Sometimes we don't think that God's speaking to us, but God really is speaking to us, just not about the thing we want him to speak to us about. I told you my daughter loves to play hide-and-go-seek, but my daughter, that's all she wants to do. And so sometimes um, she has to, you know, we have to do like other things. And so it was getting late the other night. And so she says, like, we don't, she doesn't say hide-and-go-seek all the time, but she'll just say, Papi, I hide, you count. That's 
the rule, you know, that's ready, here I come, but all that stuff. And so, so here, but here's what I'll say. I'll say, you know, sometimes it's like, Mama, it's time for a bath. In, in our house, it's called rub-a-dubs. And so we'll say, you know, Mama, it's time for rub-a-dubs. And, uh, and she'll say, dub-dubs? And, I, and I'll say, you know, but like this day, I'm like, Mama, it's time for rub-a-dubs. And she goes, no, 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 because that's like her new thing. That's not just no, it's no, 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 no. She'll say, I hide, you count. And I'm like, Mama, it's not hide and go seek time. It's rub-a-dub time. And she goes, no, 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 no. I hide, you count. And I say, Mama, it's time for rub-a-dubs. And then she grabs, I'm not kidding you not, she grabs me by the cheeks and she says, Papi, listen to me. I hide, you count. And I'm like, I heard you. That's not what we're doing. You know, and, 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 here, and the thing is this, is that she thinks I'm not listening. And I am listening, it's just not what we're dealing with right now. And I'm thinking, and I said to myself right after that, I'm like, how many times do I do that with God? God, I'd like you to answer me about this. And God's like, well, let's talk about that. No, 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 no. Let's talk about this thing. Let's talk about this thing. And, you know, and I'm telling you, I think all of us do that. We're like, you know, we're praying and we're like, God, when are you going to change my spouse and make them everything I want them to be? And, and then God says, you know, here's what he said. You know, we open up the Bible and God starts speaking to us. And he's like, yeah, I would like to deal with this thing in your life right here. Oh, no, no, no. Let's talk about him. Uh, let's talk about her. But let's not talk about me. Let's talk about you changing someone else. Let's talk about that. And, uh, and, and, and I'm telling you, here's what happens. Is sometimes we don't think God's speaking to us when really he is. And, and here's the thing that takes place. He's just not answering the question that we want him to answer because he's dealing with another question that's going to be critical for the answer that we want to get. There's a story that's told in the book of Joshua, chapter 5. Um, Joshua is such a great book. Um, if you're a guy, you'll love it. A lot of battles, a lot of people dead. You know, you'll love it. It's like a, you know, just a good war book. You know, um, but here's the thing is that um, many of you know, if you've been around, you've seen, you know, even if you've seen a VeggieTales movie, you've seen the thing about, you know, the walls of Jericho. They walked around, the walls fell, you know, all that, that whole story. Well, here's the thing. What a lot of people miss, that starts in like chapter six, chapter seven, all that. But right before they um, go into Jericho, there's this little vignette that happens in chapter five. Uh, this little story that, that takes place. And here's what it is. Let me just give you a little bit of the context in, 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 for a couple seconds. Here's what happens. You have um, the children of Israel, when they left Egypt, they were in the desert for 40 years, right? They're in the desert for 40 years, and then here's what takes place, is that God sends them food, literally, food from heaven that shows up like, as the, like this dew on the ground. It was called manna. Now, the reason why it was called manna is because they couldn't figure out what exactly it was. Um, because in, the, in Hebrew... Um, the word manna means what is it? So people grab it like, what is that? I don't know. It's pretty good. What is it? I don't know. Let's call it that. So what is it? It's, it's called what is it? It's like the whole, you know, years ago they came out with the whatchamacallit. Remember that candy bar? What is that? Ah, whatchamacallit, you know, the thing. oh, that's the name. Well, this is like the whatchamacallit of the Bible. So this is the, this is the, uh, this is the manna. Well, what's the manna? What is it? Well, now they had to eat manna for 40 years. And so they're making, you can't imagine, they're trying to make all kinds of recipes you know, they've got manna bread, they've got manna soup, they've got, you know, they've got all kinds of things they're trying to come up with, you know, manicotti, whatever, you know, <laughs> manischewitz. They've got all this stuff they're trying to come up with. Very few people got the manischewitz joke. Manischewitz is the kind of wine that Jews have at Passover. Anyway, uh, it's not funny if you have to explain it. Anyway, 
Um, but here's the thing, is that they have now, but the Bible says this, this little passage in, in Joshua 5, it says that when they entered the land, the manna ceased. Because God told them that now they would eat off the land flowing with milk and honey that God was going to give to them. So the next day, I mean, they're going into Jericho and the manna has stopped. And Joshua's walking around realizing, like, we can't go backwards anymore. So manna's done. That, 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 that program is over. Now we've got to actually win this thing. And Joshua now starts thinking about how this is all going to happen when he's walking around at night and then he sees this figure in the distance. And this figure shows up and he sees that the figure has his sword drawn. And then this is what he says. He says, hey, are you for us or against us? And here's what the figure says. No. I'm sorry, that's not the right answer. It's either, you know, uh, are you for us or against us? Oh, I'm for you, I'm for the enemy. That's like the answer. Are you for us or are you for our enemies? No. And then he gets a little closer and realizes that it's, it's the, the angel of the Lord spoken of in, in, throughout the Bible. And he says, are you for us or against us? And he says, no. But as commander of the Lord's army, I've come. And here's the thing that it reminds Joshua at that very moment. That, listen, this is not your deal. It's God's deal. You see, you want God to speak to you. Is this, are you for me or against me? Neither. I'm for what God is doing. And if you don't realize that, that this is what needs to take place, this is going to happen. This is what God's will is, and this is what's going to go on. And this is the thing that takes place. Is sometimes we miss out on what God is speaking to us because we're just not asking the right question, and because we're fixated only on one question, we end up missing out on all that God wants us to do. Later on in chapter 16 of Proverbs, here's what it says. It says, he who heeds the word wisely will find good, and whoever trusts the Lord, happy is he. You see, the thing that's important for us to note is that God is not going to give us new information until we start doing the thing that God has already spoken for us to do. Why? Because that's the way that God works. Throughout the Bible, you see it in in the lives of all of the great heroes of the Bible that we look to. All of them, God gives them this one thing to do. And it's when they fulfill that that God gives them the next thing to do. And so that's why it's like sometimes we're struggling and it's like, well, what is it that God wants me to do? Well, did you do the last thing God asked you to do? Well, no, I'm just hoping God give me something else to do instead of the last thing. I don't really like the last thing he gave me to do. Well, he's not going to give you another thing until you do the first thing that he gave you to do. And that's why, and this is the thing that's so important, we need to go to the word of God because God is never going to contradict what he has already spoken in the Bible. The Bible tells us this in Psalm 119. It says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Let me give you a second one. This is maybe a little bit more practical than theological, but number one is by reading the Bible. Number two is by listening to biblical teaching. Listening to biblical teaching. Have you ever had this? I'm going to ask you to do this as a show of hands. Um, You've been here and either myself or one of the other pastors have spoken. um, and, and, And as you're listening, you're like, Oh my, that's God talking to me right now. You ever had that? Uh, yeah, look, a lot of us have had that. I, I, I have that all the time, usually not when I'm talking, uh, but when somebody else is talking. Um, and, and, but here's what it is. Listen, that's the power of the proclamation of God's word. It has nothing to do with the person that stands behind this pulpit, but has everything to do with the scriptures that are being taught. And that's why it's, it's, so, it's so vital and, and so important. Listen, that happened to me just yesterday. I was, I was at the gym and I'm running uh, on the treadmill trying to do my two miles 
without dying, which I wasn't really sure which was going to happen, the two miles or death. Um, and so I'm trying to run, and I'm listening to a teaching of a pastor that I really like um, in, in New York. And uh, I'm, I'm running, and I'm listening to him, and he shares a passage of Scripture and says something that just hits me. And I'm like, God, that is you talking to me. Well, I don't even realize it, but I'm st- I stopped running. You know, there's like a weird thing happens on a treadmill when you stop running. It doesn't stop. And just before I shot out like a cannon and like pummeled this lady that was about 10 feet behind me, I like shot back and I felt like the, the little edge and I'm like, whoa, okay, let's keep going here. Um, and, and it was, it almost turned into a weird situation. Thankfully, it didn't. You know, like, look at that guy. Uh, he doesn't even know how those work. You know, anyway. So, but the thing is this, is that, um, and that's what's, that's what's so vital. And that's what's so important. And that's the thing that happens in, in these um, in, in environments like these, when we open ourselves up to what God wants to do. Now, that's one of the reasons why we actually have different environments, um, one for kids and one for adults. Because we want to speak in an adult environment here, and we want to speak at a level that kids can understand there. It's also the reason why um, maybe you've had this experience where you've stood up and gone to the restroom, used the telephone, just stretched out your legs, wanted to see what happens out there, and, uh, and then you came back and they said, hey, we need you to go to this, uh, this overflow room, right? Uh, you don't have to use a show of hands if this has happened to you, but you say, well, well why is that? Well, here's the thing that was, that, that was happening in the past. It's like, let's say one of these fine people, uh, which you wouldn't do that, especially now that I'm talking about it. Uh, but let's just say somebody says, uh, somebody gets a phone call. Says, man, I, I've got I've to take this phone call. So they stand up and then they walk out. Now, let me just tell you the weird thing about human nature. The weird thing about human nature is that somebody gets up and walks out and here's, and here's what we do. We, they get up like, wow, I've never seen someone walking before. And then we say this, I wonder where they're going. I wonder if there's air conditioning there. At, at, at least a cold beverage would be nice. I wonder what it's like out there. Where am I? You're like totally lost. And then, and then here's what happens like a minute or two later, they come back. And then everybody looks at them like, huh, that was quick. Must have been a wrong number. I need to make some calls. I haven't talked to my mom in like a month. Do I even have a brother anymore? Where am I? You know, and here's what I, now, here's the thing. And this, you don't, you don't realize this, but here's the thing that happens is that these are sometimes the very moments that God is using the proclamation of his word being spoken. And then we miss it. Why? Because we got distracted. And that's just a very simple way that we said, hey, you know what? If someone leaves for whatever reason, here's what we're going to do. We're going to set up this, uh, set up an overflow area for them to come in because here's what we don't want to happen. Because people come here and listen, some, maybe this is you today, that some people come here and they're desperate. Desperate to hear from God and the situation that they're in. And the last thing that we want to do is distract that with something that could have been easily remedied. With somebody just, oh, just, you know, if you come back in, just sit over here so that you don't distract the teaching of God's word. Because, listen, here we so believe that the teaching of God's word is so important that we want to do everything we can to eliminate distractions so that we can hear what God wants to speak to us. And that's what's so important. Now, let me tell you how this is also, uh, how this applies 
in, in, in our lives practically. I talk to people all the time, and man, they're so stressed out. And, I, and I'm asking them, like, man, why are you so stressed out? Tell me about your day. Well, man, I get up, and while well, I'm eating breakfast, I watch the news. I'm like, well, that's a big mistake. And then I get in the car, and I turn on talk radio. Okay, that's strike two. And then I, I go to work, and then I'm getting, you know, I'm checking out the ticker on all that's going on, and then I go to lunch, and they got the flat screen at the place I go to lunch, and they're telling me all the stuff that's happening on, you know, the Dow is down, you know, it's like under 10,000. And I'm like, do you even know what that means? No, but it can't be good. All right, well, let's, we'll figure that out later. And then NASDAQ, what about the NASDAQ? Do you even know what NASDAQ stands for? No idea, but I'm telling you, it's got to be good for things to be good. And I'm like, all right, well, we'll talk about that in a bit. And then, and then here's what happens. And then they get home from work, and then they, they sit on the couch, they turn on the TV and watch CNN, which, by the way, stands for Constantly Negative News. And, um, and they're watching this, right? And then they wonder, like, man, they're like, you know, they're freaking out, they're anxious, they're stressed out, and they're like, what's wrong? Everything! The whole world is falling apart! Really? I feel pretty good. Well, you, you don't know what's going on. No, no, no. no. Here, here's what happens. Can I just give you a, a, a different perspective? What if instead of all of that, what if you spent a few minutes in the morning getting, getting connected with God? Spent a few minutes reading the scriptures, just praying and saying, God, you, you, you want to do something great in the world today. Help me to be part of one or two of those things. And then you, you get in the car and instead of turning on talk radio or the morning shows, which are just crass garbage, instead of doing that, why don't you put in a teaching CD or some worship or you put in, you plug your iPod in and you listen to something that's really going to feed your mind, your soul and your spirit. And then you know what's going to happen? You're going to get to work. You're like a completely different person. Like a spring in your step. Hey, what's going on? What's up? What's up? What's up? What happened to you? No CNN. I'm CNN free. You know. You know, and it's like, you know, like, really? Yeah, I'm not, I, I don't need any of it, you know. It's like a guy who's been off caffeine. I mean, he's like, feels like he owns the world. And, you know, and, and, that's, and that's the thing. Now, it changes everything. Why? Because all you've done is change the input as to, what, as to what happens. And that's why I think, you know, like you're driving down the street and instead of listening to something stupid or silly, uh, because that's kind of what I feel about all those morning shows, it's just stupid, um, is that you, you just put in, like, you know, what does God want to say to me? And then here's what happens. God starts speaking to you and you're like, you're driving there and you're like, God, you really are caring for me. You really do want to provide for me. You really do care about the decisions that I make. You really do want to reveal your word and your will to me. Listen, that's going to make anybody think that things are looking up because they realize that the God, the creator of the universe cares for me while I'm driving to work in my car. I'm just listening to something and God has orchestrated it in such a way so that it affects me. Listen, that's a big deal. Let me give you a third one. Because here's sometimes how God can speak to us, not just by reading the Bible, by listening to biblical teaching. Here's the third one. is sometimes by God putting something in our hearts. God, you ever have this? Maybe let me ask this question. You ever just like had an idea, a thought, an impression, like uh, just this, this kind of like aha moment. You're like, I think I, God just gave me a thought, gave me an idea. There's something that God wants me to do. And, and it's amazing when, when that happens. You know, I mean, and the Bible teaches that, that when God pours out his spirit, and it's in the book of Joel in, in your notes, it says that God will pour out his spirit. And it says that your, your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. What's weird is, is that God gave me this incredible vision to come and start this church nine years ago. 
Recently, God gave me a dream. That just tells me I'm getting older. Because young men have visions, old men dream dreams. I think it's because we're asleep more. We're just tired. And, and I don't know what it is, but uh, um, so here's the thing that happens. Is that, but, but you say, well, how do I know that it's really God that has put something in my heart? Because don't people like kill people and say, well, God told me to do it? Yes. What do you call those people? Weird. Um, and, and, but here's the thing. Now, here's, here's what's important for us to note. What's important for us to note is, is that just because we feel like God has put something in our heart, now we've got to do the hard work of testing it. In the book of 1 John, uh, chapter 4, verse 1, it says, um, it says that to test the spirits. In fact, it says, friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. The idea is this. You believe God has put something in your heart? Great. What do we do? We test it by what God has already said in the Bible, because God is never going to contradict himself. And then there's another thing that we can do. That's number two, which is the second part of what we read. So let me read you the passage, and then I'll tell you what it is. Here's what we see. If we go down to verse 21 of Proverbs 16, here's what we read. It says, The wise in heart will be called prudent, and sweetness of the lips increases learning. Understanding is a wellspring of life to him who has it, but the correction of fools is folly. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end is the way of death. Now, if you pause there and give me your attention, the first question that we asked was, am I committed to hearing God's voice? The second question that we have to ask is, am I committed to receiving godly counsel? To receiving godly counsel. Now, let me just... Um, I want you to think about something for a minute. I want you to think about the last really bad decision that you made. Please don't blur it out. All right? Now, just think about the last bad decision that you made. And then ask yourself, would it have been different if I would have gotten some godly counsel? You say, oh, man, it would have totally been different. I, I would have made a totally different decision. And listen, that's the power of godly counsel in our lives. That's why we need input and encouragement from people that we, that we respect and admire and people that care about us. Can I just tell you this? I think sometimes we're under this impression. Listen, life does not give us bonus points for making a decision by ourselves. Like, oh, well, he made that by himself. Well, let's just make it a doubly good decision. Oh, he got help. Eh. No, here's what happens. There's no, uh, there's no extra points. So if that's the case, let's just do whatever we can to make the wisest decision possible, the one that honors God. And listen, that doesn't happen without the input from people in our lives who know more than we do. The Bible tells us this in Proverbs chapter 11, uh, verse 14. It says, when there is no counsel, the people fail. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So who are the people that I should be going to for counsel would be the next question that we ask. And, and I want to give you three uh, three qualities of people that you want to look for. Real simple. Here's what they are. Number one, they love you. Number two, they know Jesus. And number three, they are where you want to be. They're where you want to be in life. That's why these people are the best people that, that, that to counsel you. They, they're where you want to be. They know the steps to get there. The second is they know Jesus, so they know that they can, that God, you know that God can use them as an instrument in His hand to positively impact your life and they love you so you can trust their motives now let me give you um 
as an application, some things that God has really been stirring in my heart over the last couple of years. Uh, some of you, I, I talked to a couple of people uh, before the service and said, hey, well, we're, di- we're dying to find out what the big announcement is. And, um, and I, I'm, I'm glad about that. I'm going to tell you in just a second. Uh, but, you know, if you got the email, you got the phone message, it was a big announcement that we're making. And, and here's, here, here's what it is, um, is that because I think this is really important, and I didn't want to just tell it to you. What I wanted to do is kind of walk through how this whole decision process came about, us realizing that this is really what God wants us to do. Because what this happens to our church on a macro level happens to our lives individually on a micro level. And so it's important for us to see the, the process work out. So let me just give you the punchline and tell you what we're doing, and then we'll back it up and kind of explain how we got to this decision. You ready? Okay. February 21st, 2010, you may want to write down that date. February 21st, 2010, Calvary Fellowship is starting our second campus. Uh, our second campus, yeah. Yeah, it, we're very excited. And um, we're starting our second campus actually in West Miramar um, at Everglades High School. How many of you have been to Target uh, on Miramar Parkway? Uh, how many of you have ever heard of Target? Okay, uh, well, there's this place called Target. Anyway, there's one on Miramar, and it's right across the street uh, from there. Now, here's the thing that's amazing, is that I felt like God put that in my heart about four years ago. And, there, and so we started like knocking on some doors saying, if God's put this in our heart, let's see if God opens the doors for this to happen. And every door was closed. And I just said, well, God, you put this in my heart. What am I supposed to do? Once again, I wasn't asking the right question. The right question was, how do we prepare correctly for this next step that we're going to take as a church? Well, finally, I got the hint, and over the last couple of years, we, we've been very, very intentional about raising up leaders and, and um, adding volunteers in all of our different areas to the point where now we, there's just like this incredible team that we have, and um, we, we had this big celebration with everyone who volunteers last week, and we gave them the big news, and everybody was, was pretty excited. But here's what happened is that um, I, I knew that... Um, the, the desire to do this was something that didn't originate with me, but something that originated with God, because um, the desire to reach people is something that's, that's biblical. That's, what, that's the mission of the church. Jesus called uh, when his disciples were there. He says, here's what he said, and it's in your notes, Matthew 28. He says, I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel, teaching them everything, uh, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So we know that going and reaching people who are not being reached with the gospel is a biblical mandate. It's the mission of the church. But then here's what happened, is that it went a little bit further than that. Is that because we thought, I mean, I talk to guys who are starting churches all the time. I've been begging guys to go to this area of, uh, of Miramar. So you've got to start a church there. There's 100,000 people that live out there. And check this out. There's no church out there. There's no, there's no church. I mean, there's a Catholic church that, that's doing well. There's like, you know, the Mormons are kind of doing their thing um, a, a, a little further away. But there's no Christian church that's actively reaching people far from God. And I thought, man, that, that's like, it's just like hurting me. God, God, you got to do something. Well, then here's what happened in my own life when I started thinking after, as I was trying to encourage guys to go there and nobody was interested, I realized God's saying, maybe it's, Bob, maybe it's you. Maybe it's, it's Calvary. Maybe it's, it's this community that, that I've blessed with all these leaders, with all these people, that maybe now it's maybe our responsibility to go 15, 20 minutes away and be part of something new. 
And there's this passage that um, I have not been able to shake for months. Remember I told you I was running on the treadmill? I almost barreled some lady over. This is what happened. I'm listening to a teaching on a totally unrelated subject. And the guy says, let me, let me just tell you about this passage. And it's this passage out of the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. And this is again yesterday. And I'm like, God, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm hearing you. I'm, I know what we're supposed to do. And, 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 and so here's, here's what happens. Um, Jesus is preaching in, in a city called Capernaum. Capernaum is, uh, having been there, it's like, it's called the hometown of Jesus. My favorite part about Capernaum is that there's these big gates and it says, Capernaum, hometown of Jesus, open nine to five, Monday through Friday. Um, that's my favorite part of Capernaum is that sign. And, um, and so here's the thing is that Jesus is there in Capernaum and Jesus heals the mother-in-law of Peter, one of his disciples. Well, now all of these people start showing up to hear Peter or to hear Jesus at, at this because of what happened here. And then the Bible says this, that Jesus goes away to pray. And then in the morning, early in the, the, the disciples finally find him. And this is what they say to him. And it's there in, in, in the verses are there in your outline. It says this. Everyone is looking for you. And then this is what he says. Come on, let's go. Because I have to preach the gospel in other towns also. And I'm telling you that when I, I have not been able to get away from these verses that God is calling us to preach the gospel in other towns also. That it's an incredible thing that God has entrusted to us. Do you know how a person, you know that a person has reached maturity physically? Is that they have the ability to reproduce. Do you know how you know that a church has reached a place of maturity? is that now we're in a place to be able to reproduce what's happening here somewhere else. It's an amazing thing that God would entrust us with to be, to be able to do this. Now, um, here, here's the thing that, um, that, that happens, um, is that we looked at some different places, and, and we were said, well, we're going to do this. And then we made a list of all the possible places that we could look to renting to, 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 do, to do this second campus. And I said, well, there's, there's an awesome high school there, but I went four years ago. I personally went, talked to the administration there, and they said, um, there's a church that's meeting in here, which is the Catholic Church that just built their building now. And then they said, but we have a list, and you're, uh, we'll put your name down. You're number 17 on the list. Well, ain't that nice. So maybe right around the time Jesus comes back, we can start meeting there. Um, and so they, 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 they say this, right? And then, so I'm telling the guys we're going to go out and start talking to people. And I say, like, this is the place that we really want to meet in. But there's no way that it's available. Well, they go there first. And they say, hey, uh, you know, we're a church. We'd like to meet here, this and that. And they're like, oh, we'd love to have you. All right, February 21st, we're, we got you penciled in. We're good. And I was like, what? You know, like one of those moments where, like, God, you're working kung fu on our behalf. You know, and I mean, it was just incredible that what, 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 how God has just continued to open doors. Now, here's what happens is because, well, I saw it in the scriptures, but then I took it to some guys that I admire and respect. And, and, and I said, guys who know a lot more than I do. And I said, guys, this is what I really feel God has put in my heart. I feel this is what this is the next step for us. And I, what do you think? If you tell me, Bob, you are absolutely crazy, then I'm going to. I'm going to step back from this because I know that there's safety in the multitude of counselors. And all of them unanimously said, here's the deal. We know that this is the next step for you. God's been preparing you for this for the last several years. I took it to our staff. 
uh, to our pastors and they're like, yeah, this, we're, we're feeling the same thing. Took it to our volunteer team like, yeah, we're, we're, we're feeling uh, the, the same thing. And we just we see this this whole thing happening that God just keeps opening the doors. Now. Here's now this is how we you know, kind of announce it to everybody. But here's the thing. The question that we all have to ask is, well, what's our part here? What's what's the part that all of all of us play? Well, I think there's a couple of things. One is that all of us, I think it's important for us to pray and to say, you know what, for God to continue to open these amazing doors as, as he has. I think that there is a certain group of people that maybe live in that area that God would call to say, hey, you know what, um, I've been coming here and driving the 20 minutes, but you know what, I'm going to decide to go uh, go there and, and, and be part of that um, community, that extension of, of this family and, and, and be involved and, and serve and whatever it is that, that I can do. And, and so here's what we're asking. And there's, there's some and you'll see this on the back of your connection card. Um, uh, the second from the bottom it says my next step is and it says join the, the Calvary Fellowship Miramar launch team. Um, now, this is the thing that's really important because. And I'm going to take a couple extra minutes just to just to unpack these last two things, because I think it's really, really important for us. Um, and that is this. One of the things that um, I had said from the very beginning is, is that I don't want what happens here to go down one iota. And that is that if we're going to do something over there, I want to duplicate what happens here. But I don't want this to be like, well, it's 75 percent of what it used to be um, to make to make that uh, what, what it can be. And so that's why we're saying we think if there's a group of about 50 people that says, you know what, I can make a six month commitment to, to be part of that campus because I live in that area and I can invite friends that maybe didn't want to make the drive here because they're afraid of Miami or, or whatever. Um, the, 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 I, I hear that sometimes. I'm just afraid of, the, of Miami. Well, Miami bites sometimes. Uh, it'll, it'll come out and bite you. Uh, not bites and the other. I guess that could come out weird. Um, anyway, um, I'm in the and I guess I'm still thinking Halloween. Um, so here's so here's what happens is that. So that's the first thing is that, you know, we're saying, hey, if, if, if maybe some of you say, hey, that's what I want to do. We, we, we let our volunteers know. And uh, there was about 25 that said, yeah, we, we're willing to make that make that jump. At the same time, there's with 50 committed people going from here over there, there's going to be some opportunity for those that are here to maybe step up to greater roles of responsibility and leadership. So I'm excited about that and all that God's going to do in the lives of people here. Um, and so here's what's going to happen. And this is an important thing to note is that what happens here on Sunday doesn't change. Um, the only thing that's going to change slightly are the service times. And so starting in February, the first service uh, will actually be at the Miramar campus um, and that will be at 10 a.m. Then we will have a service here at 11 a.m. And then we'll have another service here at 1230. Now, for those of you that say, yeah, I come to 1130, but I get here at noon. That works out perfectly for you. Um, so uh, you can decide why well, I want to come to 11 or 1230. Now, the thing that's important to notice, well, how's that going to work with with you and Mark and all that? Mark is going to lead worship in at all three services. I am going to teach at all three services. Because we've organized the service times in such a way so that I can be up there at 10, be here at, at uh, by the time I have to start teaching um, at the 11 o'clock and then be here as well um, for to teach the 1230. Now, here's the other thing that's that's um, really important. As I said, we want to duplicate the same kind of experience that we enjoy here every week up there, because we know if we're going to reach um, the this massive amount of people that, that, that are up there, we're going to have to 
do the same things with, with the same level of excellence that we do it here, we're going to have to do it um, over there. Now, here's what I want you to do. If you go into the packet that we gave you, you're going to see a brochure that says Open Door. Uh, when, they, when they ask me, say, what are we going to name this thing? And I said, listen, we've been waiting for four years for God to open a door, and now it's here. And so that's the name, and it's taken out of uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 16. But here's what's going to happen. If you open it up, you'll see a, picture of the, a couple pictures of the school, a picture of the auditorium, a map on the back. But here's what I want to draw your attention to, is what it's going to take to actually launch this campus. Um, we, as we've done our research and done our homework, it's going to take about $50,000 to make this campus happen. Because you've got to think, that involves getting a second pulpit for over there, getting speakers for over there, uh, projectors and screens and, and all that kind of stuff, and uh, some band equipment, 10-minute party, resource center, children's ministry, uh, all that kind of stuff, some signage. And so all of that begins to uh, all of that begins to add up. And so the question is now, how do each of us get involved? Some of us are going to be involved by being part of that launch team. All of us are going to be involved by praying. And my hope is that all of us are going to be involved by supporting that new work that's happening in some way. And so this is what I'm asking you to do. And you'll see this on the back of your connection card is for you to look and say between now and the end of January, these these three months, um, what could uh, myself, my family, um, give towards this, towards this, this campus that this new campus being launched um, over the next three months. And this is the thing. My wife and I talked about this, and my wife and I have made um, uh, as, as big of a commitment as we can to this because we believe in it. Um, our staff has made as big of a commitment as they can because they believe in it. Many of our leaders and volunteers have done the same thing. And now it comes down to, to all of us to say, you know what, this is what, what we, we have to do to make this happen. Now, and, and all of this is, is for this purpose of seeing, listen, an entire city. It's just amazing to me that there is a city so close to us that has no one there preaching the gospel to them. It just blows me away that this is what's happening. And here's the thing um, that some of you don't may not remember. Um, because some, here's what some people say to me. They say, Bob, I would love to have been part of Calvary in the early days. You know, like when it was just you and Carrie and like five people, and you weren't sure if this thing was coming together or coming apart. You know, I would have loved to have been part of that. When you guys are just a small group of 40, 50 people meeting in, in, in that hotel, you know, and then there's like 100 people meeting in the hotel, I would have loved to have been part of that. The early days at the theater, I would have loved to have been part of that. The time that the squirrel almost blew up the theater, what was that all about? You know, I remember that a couple years ago. All right. There you go. Um, I saw a picture of the Easter squirrel. I still have it on my, on my phone because it just reminds me that Satan is alive and well. Um, and, uh, and so... And, and here's what happens. Now, I, I want to tell you this, because I believe that now is our opportunity to be part of that, to be part of this campus that's getting started. When we first started Calvary um, a little over nine years ago, um, I, we didn't have a sound system. In fact, I was borrowing a sound system every Sunday um, from, from a guy. And after three weeks, he told me, listen, I need the sound system back because I've got some stuff that I'm going to be doing. So I reluctantly brought it back. I thought about holding it hostage, but I decided to bring it back because I thought that was what God wanted me to do, just to do like the right thing. And so I gave it back to him. And then, and the weird thing is this, is that I get a call, and some of you have heard this story. Um, I get a call. That was on a Tuesday. I returned the, the, um, the sound system. I had no idea what we were going to do that Sunday. 
Thursday evening, I get a phone call that's, uh, from a friend of mine who pastors here in town. And he says, would you mind stopping by our, our church offices today? Uh, you've got like several boxes in our office. And quite frankly, they're like really in our way. And I said, yeah, I'll come down. So um, I, I was teaching at the college at the time. I got done with my last class. And then um, I drove down. And there was this guy that I had met one time. Him and I both spoke at a men's conference together. And I told him that I was going to start this church in Miami. And he's like, oh, man, that's great. Well, this guy talk, told that to another guy. This guy I've never met before and to this day have never talked to or met. And that guy, this other person, um, heard that we were coming and starting a, a church. And God just put it in his heart to buy us a sound system and mail it to us. And I got there on Thursday night, and there was all these boxes mailed from this guy in California of this brand-new sound system, pieces of which we still use to this day. And, um, I mean, every time I see one of those pieces, I'm just reminded of God's faithfulness and love and his, uh, for us and his love for this city. That it's like, God, you would put it in the heart of a guy that we've never met who's actually never even been to Miami in his life who doesn't know anything about me, doesn't know anything about us, doesn't know anything about you, but yet God put it in his heart. You know why? Because God has a heart for people. And because of that, because God saw all of you who would eventually be touched by what God is doing through this church. And listen, many of you came here to this church and you didn't really know God. And you came to and you came to know Jesus in this church and you've been baptized in this church and you've been growing in, in this church. And, and listen, do you know where that some of that comes comes from? Five boxes that showed up um, nine years ago because God put it in some guy's heart. That eventually kind of grew into all this other stuff. Into what God was doing here. And guys, this is where I think it's important for us to say, here's the deal. Now it's our turn. Now it's our turn to maybe make a sacrifice, to make a decision, to say that we're going to do something to bless a group of people that we don't know, but are a lot like us, in a lot like the situation that we were once in. Far from God, without hope, but yet we came to a place where the Bible was taught and we came to a place where Jesus' name was lifted up and we experienced God and he's changed our lives. And listen, there's 100,000 people not that far from here that right now don't have that opportunity. And that's why what we're doing for our Christmas offering this year is saying we're just taking all of it and just putting it, starting this new campus, because listen, what's happening here matters. And what needs to happen there matters. And guys, that's what I'm so blown away by by this opportunity that we have, that God has given us this incredible and effective open door. And now it's our opportunity, our privilege to walk through it and see what God does. Let's pray together. And God, we want to thank you so much for your love. We thank you that you would invite us to be part of what it is that you're doing. And God, I just pray right now for each and every one of us that we would make the decision that you want us to make, that we would sacrifice what you want us to sacrifice for the sake of those that we don't know, but that you do know, that you do love, and that you want to see come into a relationship with you. People who are far from you, that through, some, that through a decision that we make today could draw near to you.
So God, I pray that you'd work it in our hearts and do a work in us. Do a work through us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.